This is the Life at Work podcast, an initiative of City Bible Forum. The Life at Work podcast is produced by City Bible Forum. To find out more, go to citybibleforum.org slash lifeatwork. Hi, I'm Andrew Laird, host of the Life at Work podcast, where we meet real workers wrestling with real workplace issues. Today, the barefoot disciple, a radical reshaping of what we do with the fruit of work. If my treasure is in God's economy, my heart will be there also. My guest today is accountant, author and entrepreneur, Yochiel Frank. I'm Andrew Laird and this is the Life at Work podcast. Ask 10 people on the street why they work, and my guess is that nine, if not all 10 of them, would answer to make money, money to pay the bills and money to enjoy life. As Christians, however, we know that there's more to money than this, and we also know that it's something Jesus regularly warns us about, the dangers of wealth. So how should we think about the fruit of our work? Are there some ways of managing our money that honour God more than others? Uh, Is it best to save or invest or just spend? How should our Christian faith shape our relationship to wealth? Now, accountant Joachim Frank has thought a lot about these questions and more and has published his thoughts in a recent and very practical book called The Barefoot Disciple. So to discuss all this and more, welcome to the podcast, Joachim. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Let's uh, let's just jump straight into it and deal with the elephant in the room. Often when Christians hear the words, we're going to talk about money, we just uh, groan because we think, oh, I'm just going to be made to feel guilty. So is that what you're going to do here? No, Andrew, it's not uh, my purpose for coming on the podcast today to guilt trip everybody. I think a lot of uh, churchgoers may have experienced that probably because a lot of the time in churches uh, money is only talked about in a giving context so Mm. the takeaway often feels like give more Um, and so uh, that's often really well intentioned um, but give more is not necessarily necessarily specific or measurable um, and it doesn't really seem to be working in Mm. my experience um, when it comes to money, it's really our money habits that drive behaviour more than individual or motivational pep talks. So I won't be laying it on thick for listeners today to be more generous, uh, yeah. not because um, I'm above that, but because I don't think that it's the thing that will work. I think the thing that works is having the tools and a community to change habits. And so that's what I'm more interested in. Um, in the money conversation. So just take us back a little bit now and let's just uh, learn a little bit about you and your work background. So you're an accountant by background but turned entrepreneur. How did you end up uh, coming to write a book called The Barefoot Disciple? Yeah, uh, I was a finance guy, um, CA, uh, and worked in the industry. And then I ended up starting up my own business. Uh, in the early days, I money was a little bit tight, so I was mopping the floors each night. And I began to listen to audio books, and I listened to Scott Pape's book, The Barefoot Investor. And I thought it was an absolute 
communications masterpiece, uh, even though I thought a lot of the content was pretty common sense. Mm. Um, and so immediately as I was listening, or right after listening, I thought, somebody has to do this for the Christian world. Um, I saw this massive gap between the theology of stewardship uh, it's reg regularly taught in churches and the practical application uh, of that, uh, you know, in how people actually, what they do when they go to the shops next or when they uh, buy a car or when they um, do a budget um, in specific and actionable ways. Mm, mm. Now, the subtitle of the book, uh, Five Money Habits for Modern Disciples, Tell us, why are you passionate for Christians to develop new habits uh, around money? Yeah, I think because it's money habits that tend to drive money behaviour. And right now, um, for most of us, I think the reality is, is our money habits is being, are being set by major corporations or by uh, pings and dings on our phone. Um, mm. It's not being set by us intentionally. Most of us are very reactive and, uh, and just absorb the money habits that are being given uh, to us. So um, I think that a lot of people would make different choices about their money habits. Um, and their money behavior if they uh, thought through them and if they actually chose them for themselves and so um, many personal finance books are really good they have lots of good content um, mm. but some of the messages uh, takeaway message of that uh, to build bigger barns or to look at our savings as our source um, of security um, so I just wanted to uh, help uh, readers and listeners to be able to um, choose their own money habits um, if, if they want to and um, to lay out what some alternative money habits might be for mm. followers mm. of Jesus. Yeah, no, excellent. Uh, we'll come to some of the specifics of those habits in, in just a moment, but is there a, is there a sense in which um, you're recognising that, that there, are, there are habits which are so ingrained in our culture that we're just kind of swimming in and breathing in every day that we need to have our eyes open to see what they are so that we can, we can push back on them. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think the reality is, for the most part, that um, people going to churches uh, aren't having their money habits set uh, by their pastors or by, uh, by teaching in their church. Um, mm. Every day, consumer culture tells us to spend more. Mm. Um, personal finance books might say uh, for us to save more, uh, and then churches tell us to give more. Um, mm. And so many of us live with this sort of low-grade, non-specific guilt or anxiety when it comes to money, whether we're giving enough or we're, where we're, uh, are we giving enough, are we not saving enough, uh, mm. or are we missing out on the good life by not spending? Mm. Mm. 
No, that's really helpful to just recognise the, the different messages that we will hear from out in the world, you know, the spend more message, the save more message, and, and then the, the message we'll often hear in the church of the, the give more and just having that awareness of all these different messages um, coming yep. coming at us. Yep. Um, in the book, you also talk about how risk and reward are really the two variables we usually consider when 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 thinking about money, yep. um, but that we need a third one, uh, impact, you say. So what do you mean by impact and why is that so important to consider when, when thinking about money? Yeah, I think uh, for many Christians, investing is really uh, a secular sport. Um, hmm. uh, it's, and it's decisions are made based on these two variables, risk and reward and, and, and whatever, uh, balance uh, that they're comfortable with for those two. And so there becomes this sacred and um, secular divide um, when it comes to uh, money, particularly mm. investing, um, but all of money where, you know, giving is sacred, uh, but spending and investing um, is secular. And uh, I don't think that it has to be like that. Um, mm. A great example, um, many listeners would have lis- uh, watched the TV miniseries The Chosen mm-hmm. um, and may be surprised to hear that that was crowdfunded by purpose-driven investors um, who uh, put in money and uh, for both and considered both uh, risk return and also impact um the impact that it's had on you know over 300 million people in their spiritual Mm. lives in watching that content um Mm. Mm. yeah no it's a that's a good way of framing things of thinking about the potential for for impact just coming back though to those forces that are that are working against us um you write in the introduction of your book the odds of you living as a disciple in this culture are massively stacked against you so what are specifically some of the wrong ways of thinking that are rampant in our culture today that we might be oblivious to but we we need to recognize in order to live as a disciple of jesus in uh, in this particular area the area of money yeah, um, I really think that the odds are massively stacked against us. And mm. um, I think that they're even more stacked against us compared to um, ancient Middle Eastern uh, readers or hearers of Jesus's message. I mean, Jesus said um, that it is hard for rich people uh, to a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, mm. um, talking after he met with a rich young ruler. Well, I think it's way harder um, for a modern Australian mm. um, because we are faced with uh, so many forces that affect um, our money habits. Um, an example, a force that affects me is when I see a yellow ticker uh, at the supermarket, I immediately mm-hmm. gravitate to it. And so when we uh, hear the message about being generous, um, it's sort of, it's so deep in a consumer culture um, that it's hard to even Uh, nowhere to begin. Um, Mm. When we buy things, many of us um, don't realise that there's 
an emotional journey that we go and there's a bunch of hits of dopamine that we get when we buy new things offering in, in our culture hmm. and maybe that will be the experience of taking it out of the box um, using it for the first time showing it to somebody we, we like and often we hmm. get these positive feedback loops from those decisions. Now, when we buy uh, a nice new piece of clothing or a car or a watch um, or a new phone, um, however, when we choose to live on less um, or live um, simply so others can simply live, often those same feedback loops don't exist. Uh, often we'll you know, just have apathy or people um, weren't really appreciated at all. Yeah. So there's, there's all these things working against us, and I, I found that very helpful just there that you talked about the feedback loop, that the, the, the feedback loop is very much yeah. um, saying to us, spend, spend, spend. You're not yeah. going to get the positive reinforcement when you do right. seek to live uh, yeah. simply yeah. And, and generously. So let's just kind of then move on to how, how do we move forward when this is the the world that we're living in, uh, you you outline in your book ten practical sequential steps designed to foster five lifelong money habits. Yeah. Uh, we won't go through each one of them, but yeah. the first major shift that you outline there is the need for us to move from being a consumer to a minimalist. What do you what do you mean by that, and how do we do it? Yes, well, don't worry. It's not uh, a movement to embrace the minimalistic design style in your home um, or with your stuff. Mm. Um, but what it is, uh, is to fundamentally is to stop paying yourself like a business owner and start paying yourself like a manager mm. um, or a student or a, or a steward to use biblical language. Um, mm -hmm. Business owners uh, typically get to keep all of the income uh, that they make from a business, less taxes. Mm -hmm. um, but a manager, on the other hand, uh, is an employee, uh, which is a, a role that uh, most of us are more familiar with, mm. um, or a steward in old-fashioned language, and they get paid a fixed salary regardless of how much the business earns. And mm -hmm. so this change of mindset is really thinking um, about how Jesus uh, or, or how the scriptures uh, lay out that we are really stewards or mm. employees or managers um, of our resources rather than owners of our resources um, and pretty much uh, most churches that I've been to uh, everybody teaches that um, mm. but hardly anybody puts in the remuneration structure that yes. reflects that yes. um, and the remuneration uh, structure that reflects that that, that, that I've um, thought and seen also other people do is setting a spending benchmark okay okay so think about in terms of manager rather than owner do you have any um guidelines for how i then actually work that amount out 
so I encourage people to set a external benchmark. Um, so something like median wage, um, mm -hmm. or if you're a um, working adult without dependents, um, you know, depending on where you can live, you can make that minimum wage. That's uh, very possible. That's what a lot of people in Australia are living on right now. Um, mm. So picking an external benchmark, see if you've got um, a couple of kids, dependents, um, then uh, you've got to uh, make a more nuanced decision on what your spending benchmark would be. But there also becomes an equality among believers uh, when we do that, um, that the sort of the high-flying lawyer uh, mm. and um, the person who's chosen to go into um, perhaps ministry work, uh, which typically isn't um, as, as highly, highly paid, uh, mm. that, you know, that we're in it together um, and, uh, and, you know, one person isn't living in, in lack uh, while the other one lives in luxury. Um, and so there's a sort of a, a togetherness um, for the kingdom that can happen when um, communities of people um, can embrace this living, um, you know, getting paid like a, a manager or a steward rather mm. than get, um, getting paid like an owner. Uh, mm. Like, mm. like what we get belongs to us. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And so this is obviously going to lead to a, um, I guess, um, living more simply. And, and, and an expression you use frequently in the book is, yeah. uh, is we're trying to live simply so others can simply live. Now, yeah. I believe that was a phrase that had a really big impact on you when you first heard it. How did it change you? It did. Um, I was very blessed to grow up with a sister who mm. um, just got it. Um, mm. Her husband, so my brother-in-law, uh, shared with me once that their budget night was this uh, dreaded negotiation for him. Uh, my sister would start at giving away 50% of their income and uh, mm. my brother-in-law would try and sort of negotiate it down to um, 30% or something like that. Mm. Um, but uh, my sister, and it's a personal example, um, but she made simple living a thing of honour to me um, mm. rather than a thing of shame, uh, which it was to me uh, just observing the world around me and how I felt um, about simple living. So that mm. was a really fundamental uh, shift um, to me, and then uh, to see simple living as a thing of honour rather than shame. Mm. So we do this um, this movement uh, from um, thinking about money in terms of an owner to 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 a manager, and 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 therefore um, this will obviously free up a, a huge portion of uh, the income we might receive for our work. Mm. Um, so. Once we've done that, that's not the end of the story, though. Uh, it's the f just the first step, really, isn't it? Yes. And the next step is then to become a, a giver, to become generous with yep. this, with this money that we now have. Mm. How do we make that next step? Yeah, um, pretty much all finance books, personal mm. finance books, tell you to embrace an element of minimalism. They all mm. say at the beginning, you got to cut back. Um, control your expenditure a bit more. 
um, but they often have different motivations and um, without giving money away, we can't break the grip of greed on our hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so to be a disciple with money, um, I think means that we start investing in God's economy. Okay. Um, Jesus says, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, uh, there are spiritual interpretations of that, but one mm. really practical interpretation uh, that I think about for myself is that for my heart to be rewired, to beat according to God's economy, I need to transfer my treasure into God's economy and okay. that my heart that sometimes doesn't feel the things it should feel will get dragged along. Um, mm. That If my treasure is in God's economy, my heart will be there also. Mm. Um, so it's a bit of theory about it at a high level. But mm. um, in the book, um, I talk about a first step um, for kingdom uh, investing, for kingdom investing. Um, mm. And I suggest starting with something that's small uh, and that makes you feel like a superstar mm. and mm. Um, has this positive feedback loop um, similar to you know, some of the feelings that we get when we buy stuff and locks you into a habit. Um, mm. And so something like compassion child sponsorship, um, mm. you feel uh, for $50 a month, um, you can change a child's life. Uh, mm. And the, it's a subscription model. Uh, so they sort of lock you into a, um, a giving uh, a loop rather than a spending loop. Lots of major corporations lock us into. Um, and um, you're also, uh, it's not easy to give up on a child that you're sponsoring. So um, mm. I suggest um, all disciples to start investing in God's economy, do something that makes uh, you feel good, yeah, if mm -hmm. that's the first time you've ever done it, uh, because mm. giving can feel really intangible. Um, you don't get something uh, like you do when you buy something, but if you can pick mm. something that helps your heart um, at the beginning stages, like uh, like something with a positive speed feedback loop and that locks mm. you into a, uh, mm. a cycle, uh, that can be really helpful. Yeah, that, that's that's very helpful. That that idea of you know just because our hearts don't feel like it yet, yeah. um, to 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 get into the habit of doing it, yeah. um, where there is as you say that positive feedback loop, um, our hearts can then follow. Um, it's interesting the the verse you mentioned there from Jesus uh, yeah. is saying exactly that, isn't it? That where your treasure is, your heart will be also. It's almost like your heart will catch up with where you're where you're putting putting your treasure. So um, that's right. Just do it. Yeah, <laughs> perhaps is the uh, the message there. Look, Yakel, this has already been very challenging, uh, but we're going to take a short break now, and then when we come back.
back, I want to explore some of the very practical suggestions that you provide to help us develop these habits, in addition to the one you've just shared now, uh, and also something of the, the joy that you have personally experienced in this area of discipleship. But more on all that in just a moment. Ever feel alone in the workplace? Like you're the only Christian who understands the challenges you're going through? It doesn't need to be like this. Connect with other Christians in your industry, career stage or who work near you and be encouraged and empowered for your life and witness in the workplace. Find out more at citybibleforum.org slash networks. What can you learn about God in 60 seconds? You might be surprised. God in 60 Seconds is a short soundbite that you can easily share with a friend to help start a conversation about the deeper things of life. Featuring Sam Chan, Andrew Laird and more, they're sure to get you talking. Check out the collection of episodes today. You're sure to find one that gets you and your friend talking. Go to thirdspace.org.au slash G-I-S-S. Welcome back. Uh, Yukel, before the break, I mentioned joy and giving. And uh, Jesus says very clearly, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, tell us about a time when you personally experienced great joy from from giving. Probably a couple of months ago, uh, a friend of mine sent me a WhatsApp message and said uh, that she had been on a Scripture Union um, beach mission and met um, a young mission worker uh, who was going up to the northwest uh, of Australia, up um, in a community called near Broome in WA, and uh, mm-hmm. that she needed funds to um, to do the work that she was doing, and so I was like that. Um, but I would like to be part of what they're doing. Uh, by financially supporting them. And mm, mm. Um, I got this lo- lovely message through my friend a couple of months later um, mm. about the things that they had been doing up there, about um, a number of teenagers uh, in that rural community that had uh, been along to some of their events and who had made decisions to follow Jesus and mm. who they were... Um, wanted to continue to disciple um, and I eventually did meet this person when they came back down to Perth a couple of months later um, and I told her I just wanted a piece of what it, God is doing up there mm. um, so that was a, a moment of joy and I think that that gave me more joy than a lot of consumption experiences that I've had um, yeah um, for sure, yeah. yeah, and and as you say there, the the joy very much came when um, when the impact yes. of of your giving was made was made visible to you, and that being, I guess, key to us yes. uh, also experiencing the joy of of giving when we um when we can see the see the impact. Now, just uh, moving into another area in your book, you talk about having a spiritual accountant. Yes. Tell us um tell us what that idea is and and why it's so helpful to have one. Yes. Well, I'm an ex-accountant, so I needed to um, help my former 
um, professionals uh, <laughs> stay in <Yeah>. business. Um, <laughs> uh, not really. Um, in business, they say if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's true for money. And mm. um, a lot of us uh, aren't measuring it and aren't measure- managing it. And um, having doing that yourself really helps uh, and setting up uh, at different tra- ways of tracking money really helps. Uh, but doing that with someone else is even better. Um, mm. because it is a lonely journey, um, the narrow mm. path that leads to life, or it can be, um, mm. and especially living in a countercultural way with money, um, that it's often too much uh, to do alone. Uh, mm. So, uh, doing with a, a spiritual account, one is accountability, uh, mm. which generally helps, um, but the other thing is support. Uh, somebody to call. Um, I have people that I call before I make certain financial decisions and okay. I have people that call me and we just talk about it um, and um, I think it's, yeah, it's, it's helpful and it's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because so often we have um, accountability in the Christian life for all sorts of other areas of discipleship, but for some reason we, we, we don't often think to do it with money and yet um i certainly when i was reading your book at the end of each chapter when you would say have a conversation with your spiritual accountant about this i thought thought, yeah that's um that would be really helpful if i um if i brought these questions um before someone else a brother or sister in christ and actually had them look at me and say no that's that's very greedy (laughs) um or yeah no i think um what's your motivation for this so I personally thought that was a very um, helpful aspect of um, how to move forward in this, not right. not going it alone. Yeah. Um, you, you also, there's a number of, of challenging questions that you raise uh, in, in the book just to yeah. see the extent to which money might be gripping our hearts. For example, yeah. you write uh, at one point, if somebody asks me to use or borrow something and yeah. my default answer is no, the thing probably owns me. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you've ever been personally uh, challenged with? And, and how, how do we deal with that? Yeah, I, I think so. And I can think of times in my life where I've reflected on it and I've thought, hey, um, th- my stuff is more important to me than my community. Hmm. Um, and, and, th- and that's what it really means when, you know, our default answer is no, is we're more, we're more concerned about our stuff um, than, than we are the people in our lives. And I don't hmm. want uh, for that to be uh, true for me, you know, and sometimes when uh, you lend stuff and it doesn't come back in the same form that it was lent out, um, that's mm. a challenge. Uh, it's a challenge to me and it's a challenge to everybody. Um, but mostly I think it's a joy uh, to be able mm. to share stuff. Uh, I think all of us know that uh, with any kind of good thing, um, when we get a good thing, whatever it is, we just often there's this reaction that we want to share it. And when we share it, our joy is more full um, Mm. and and wider. And I think that's, you know, the same when good things happen in our life, but it's the same with our stuff. Um, Mm. uh, Our joy is fuller when we're able to share it. 
Yeah, yeah. And I just think, think thinking back, that's, I guess, another way that we can make um, visible, if you like, our, our giving, that as we, as we lend things to yeah. people and we can see how they are able to be um, do things with it, be served by it, yeah. um, that's another yeah. opportunity for us, I guess, yeah. to... Um, to see the impact of our, our giving and, as you say, experience joy in our lending. Yeah. There is another, it's another way to be like a manager uh, mm. or a steward rather than an owner uh, because what you're doing to the person is you're saying, hey, this isn't my car mm. um, or it's not my spare room or um, it's not my board game, um, mm. it's not my book, um, it's not my lawnmower. Um, I, I, I'm a manager of it and I want to hmm. use it um, for my community and hmm. um, I want to use it in God's economy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's great. Uh, you also asked this question. Um, if you knew you would die tomorrow, what past spending would you see as important? Uh, or perhaps I was thinking myself on the flip side, unimportant <laughs> as well. Uh, so, how am I thinking about the shortness of life, the prospect of death, uh, and and eternity? Help us as well when it comes to uh, what we do with our money. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a real focus uh, that even people that I know of that have got um, serious illnesses, there's there's just a, a razor focus on the things that are important in life, hmm. and um, often they're not the upgrades. Um, and the fancy meals and the additional consumer experiences. Um, mm. and, and we get lost in the meantime, often um, living according to uh, advertisers' narratives for our lives. Look, I want to consider perhaps um, one, of the, one of the massive conversation topics in Australia related to, to wealth and money, housing. Um, mm. I think barely a day goes by that it's not in our it's not in our news. Um, mm. Talk about interest rates, uh, and yet Jesus, for example, famously had no place to lay his head. Mm. The Apostle Paul was always on the move, mm. uh, and indeed teaches our citizenships actually in in heaven. Mm. So, just help us think through this whole issue of home ownership mm. as a barefoot disciple of Jesus. Mm. Um, is it wrong to own a home? Should we own a home? Just give us some principles to, to guide us in this massive area. Mm. Uh, no, I don't think it's wrong to own a home per se, um, but there is a couple of mentalities around uh, home ownership that can be uh, not ideal. Um, okay. Uh, if you've watched the cult classic, The Castle, yes, um, <laughs> uh, I think most listeners will have. I loved it. Um, uh, there's a famous quote: "A man's home is his castle," um, and I think uh, that statement is really embraced in Australia. Mm. Um, that. Uh, it's an ownership mentality uh, that it's mine um, and there's a, a feeling of safety and security. And I think that um, there's a lot of forces that have gone into ha high house prices in Australia. Mm. Uh, it's not just idolatry, but it is part of the story um, mm. that we as a nation have idolised home ownership. Um, and I think it's the, the, the citizen mentality um, 
that I'm a citizen here and, and you know, and it, it, it belongs to me. Um, but there's this uh, beautiful little scripture in Hebrews that says, um, you know, that we're citizens in heaven. Um, mm, mm. So the first thing I say to people is check your residency status. Um, yeah. <laughs> is it a, are you a citizen here or are you a temporary resident? Um, mm. And uh, I think the scripture gives us an answer of, uh, a, uh, as a temporary resident. Um, so uh, practically, how do, you know, can we work that out? Well, a lot of people, um, the first step when they think about home ownership is they go to a bank or a mortgage broker and ask them, how much can I borrow? Um, mm. And that basically sets their budget for how much they're going to go and spend. Um, the thing is, um, as great as many uh, bank employees and mortgage brokers are, um, their advice is incentivized to get us um, to, to get the biggest loan serviceable. Um, mm. And they do not have a discipleship perspective for us, typically. Um, and they don't have any view about um, how we can, what are the implications for how we can invest in God's economy um, hmm. with our time, talents, and career. Um, and so many people um, make uh, home ownership decisions that suck the spiritual life out of them uh, and hmm. changes the way uh, they live. Uh, when you do make a decision about uh, home ownership, may it be um, a place where people can tell that you're a temporary resident here and mm. that your mm. wealth is stored up somewhere else. Yeah. 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 No, I love the bit in, in the book where you where you challenged people to ask the, the question of, you know, when someone visits your home, would they conclude mm. your wealth's in something else mm. uh, or would they conclude that your wealth is stored in your house? Mm. And, um, yeah, very... Very challenging question to ask ask ourselves, and um, no doubt that's an area we can uh, we can raise with those uh, spiritual accountants mm. uh, that we mentioned sure. earlier on as well too. A good one to to address with others. Look, um, final final question, Yukel. Um, say we want to change our relationship with money, mm. but it all just seems too hard in our culture today. There are so many forces working against us, which we yes. unpacked earlier. Mm. What is just one small step that the person listening today can make, mm. but it's also one that's going to be impactful as well too? Read the book, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a convenient sales pitch, isn't it? Uh, but really, I believe there's a, a couple of things um, with to get through the content. This is more than... Um, you know, just uh, taking one or two tokenistic actions um, out of one talk that you've heard. Uh, it's a system um, and it's a significant change. Um, and I would recommend people do it with a buddy, uh, initially with a buddy, uh, and then hopefully in a small group, uh, people are part of a church. Um, uh, I, did, I do this um, as a four-purpose venture, um, so, uh, it's about money, but not about money. Um, and so, uh, if anyone from this conversation, uh, wants to, um, push back on the 
money habits that have been given to them um, from other people and embrace a disciple identity for money. Um, go on the website and uh, all of the proceeds uh, people go on to barefootdisciple.com forward slash events. All the proceeds will go to uh, City Bible Forum and not me. Um, just so you know, uh, it's about money, but not about money. That's very generous of you as well, too, um, to, to offer people that. And so we'll make sure we put that link in the in the show notes for people. Um, and just a, a, a nice way of us seeing you you practicing uh, what, what you preach. I appreciate it. It must be, it be hard to talk about uh, money and particularly the ways you apply these things to, to your life. But certainly from what I've experienced in my interactions with you and others I know who have interacted with you as well too, that this is not just a, um, a, a philosophy that you are, uh, are peddling <laughs> to others, but this is very much um, a philosophy that you bring to to your life uh, and the way you uh, handle handle money. So thank you so much for for um, challenging us, but also in, encouraging us as well too, Yoko, with all of this uh, this wisdom. And um, yeah, we really do appreciate it. So thank you. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Look, in our next episode, workplace burnout: how to avoid it, how to recover from it. Uh, I'll be joined by a medical doctor, author, and founder of The Burnout Project, Amy Imms. But until then, I'm Andrew Laird, and you've been listening to the Life at Work podcast. Enjoyed this podcast? Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing and leaving a rating so others can find us too. Join us next time on the Life at Work podcast with Andrew Laird.